0: So, it's a Hope Mindful Compassion Show. My name is Paul Garrigan and I look after the mindfulness program here at Hope.
1: Hello, my name is Yuriko. I'm I'm one of the counselors here at Hope.
0: Today, we're going to talk about um, childhood sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And, supposed to begin, how would we define that?
1: Okay, so there are different uh, ways to define that, and it depends on the countries as well. But in general, it's not only like penetration that people have in mind, like oral, anal, or vaginal. In a general way, is also to use a kid to actually touch parts of your body. Is to use a kid to produce pornography materials to show him pornography materials as well. Um, so it's a very wide open concept. And how common is it? It's actually more common than we think. Um, in general, it is said, and again, different statistics and data, but it's one in six uh, boys and one in four girls. It's clear a lot. It's, it is, and it's unfortunately really common. Um, goes through all social and financial levels, races, religions, there's no specifics. They like go through all, everybody. And uh, So one of the things that I wanted to point it out too is that um, one of the myths is that it's, it's the stranger danger that it, um, from years ago. Oh, the so stranger danger, yeah, yeah. yeah. So actually, the, normally the abuser it goes from, data goes from 70% to up to 90% is someone that the kid knows. Someone, it could be from the, probably from the family, whether it's a father, a grandpa, a, a people from church, family members, teachers. It's actually someone that the kids know and love. And, and is this
0: something that's common with people who have addiction problems?
1: It's actually very common that we find that uh, people with addiction, uh, they suffer sexual uh, abuse in childhood.
0: So it's quite common, yeah. and, and so have we kind of seen it here at Hope.
1: Um, well, first, because we hope we are a primary care center, we don't focus on that first. We are trying to focus on addiction and give skills, life skills for recovery. However, uh, trauma is always there, so it depends on the person and it on the person's circumstances. Mm-hmm. But um, if you don't treat the trauma somehow, whether it is here or later on. Um, it's got, you're always going to track your past with you yeah. and it's how it's normally a trigger for people to actually take drugs and, and alcohol because it 's a way to numb their pain
0: okay, yeah I can see that yeah
1: and one of the things that happen when, when you suffer uh, sexual abuse when you're a child is that there's a lot of emotions it's a lot of um, overwhelming feelings because especially it depends on the age of the kids you don 't know what 's going on you don 't have words for that you don 't know how to ask for help so you tend to isolate and you dissociate. And then when you grow up, you ended up on, having depression, anxiety. It's very common to take drugs because you know, whether you know or, or not what what happened to you, you know that there's something wrong and you feel you feel, you feel feel bad, like this. Um, yeah, so
0: that idea, you know, so you do kind of hear this idea that people, you know, kind of blanket out. I mean, is that is that actually quite common for people to kind of blanket out what happens and to not remember what happened?
1: Well, I think it's... Um, it's something that all your body did in that time, like a coping mechanism to survive, uh, or because it's it's, it's really <laughs> difficult. It's yeah. like um, it's even actually difficult for people to hear from the loved one that they have been abused. So the person who has been abused is even more challenging for the person to face that. So n- normally, um, yeah, it's gonna create a lot of difficulties later on.
0: And what type of, so say someone who, who has experienced uh, that kind of trauma, I mean, what kind of symptoms might they exhibit in adulthood?
1: So there could be, as we say, low, low self-esteem, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, trust issues. So that will um, end up in toxic relationships, probably domestic violence again, um, there's going to be depression and anxiety Uh, eating disorders, there could be OCD because it's a way to control Uh, it could be problems with uh, sexual relationships that goes to promiscuity, that goes with sex addiction especially with male is very challenging because the body obviously reacts it's more obvious when the male body reacts so um, they question their sexuality a lot and that's a big thing and there's a lot of guilt, shame um, one thing that I wanted to to mention too. Um, so the difference with physical abuse and sexual abuse is the core belief for physical abuse is they don't love me because I'm worthless. Whether for sexual abuse is they love me because I'm worthless. So I love me because I'm worthless. Yeah, it's and it's a very complicated concept, and that's how the the concept of love gets twisted. So they abuse me equals they love me. Wow. Yeah and then it's um, worthless, um, um, there's something wrong with me and if, if it happened and the mother didn't know anything to protect the kid, it's, there's a lot of, there's nobody to help me. So it's actually very really ingrained in the person. And,
0: and, so, and is it quite, sort of so quite common for those type of people to end up in kind of very abusive relationships? And
1: it's very common and of course nobody wants to be hurt and nobody consciously choose someone. That is going to abuse them, but it's actually very common that because the trust issue is because of the past and the twisted concept of love that we were talking about, they ended up with relationships that are toxic and they are going to repeat the pattern again.
0: Is it, I mean, there seems to be this impression, I don't know how true it is, that people who are abused often become abusers. Is that—is that a, a thing?
1: I, I guess there are different opinions, um, but it's, it is said that it's quite common. That doesn't mean that if you're abused, you are going to be an abuser. Mm. But it's quite common for abusers who have been that they have been abused before.
0: And is there any difference between males and females in that regard? Are men more likely to become abusers than than?
1: are more um, common to be the abusers, and actually, men, straight like straight men, are the ones who abuse boys. So because it's a, another myth that it's like gay men mm. abusing boys, and actually, are straight men.
0: And so, 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 so people say coming to somewhere like here, hmm. I mean, how important is it for people to deal with If people have this in their past and they're trying to give up an addiction, how important is it that they deal with this stuff?
1: So one of the things we have to keep in mind is, is the person aware that he, that person was abused? Because sometimes they don't even know, they don't remember. Is that person open and ready to talk about that? Because if it's not, we don't need to push anything either because we are here more to focus about addiction. Um, but, but when the person brings it to the table, when it's actually something that is uh, affecting the person and she's aware, she or he is aware of that, then of course it's really important to go through tr- uh, trauma and talk about that. There are different ways. There is not only talking, because some, for some people it doesn't work. It could be writing. It could be uh, going through uh, TRE. I use the body a lot for the person to communicate. Because you can lie to yourself, you can lie to someone
0: else, but your body doesn't lie. Mm. That's what I was going to say, so what if, you know, what if somebody, you know, you, a client sort of says to you, yeah, you know, I had all this stuff happen to me, but I'm, I'm over it.
1: Normally, the, 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 the I'm over it... Um, or I don't think they, about it. Yeah, the, it just... Uh, because this is very common. And if you're over it, it's, it's very difficult to be over it you when if you didn't go through therapy, and it's quite deep. It's not something that you just push under the carpet and that's it, <laughs> I'm over it, I'm fine, because I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's much more d- deeper than that, and it's, it's much more painful, and that's why people don't wanna go there, because it's really painful. And they, normally what happens is like, it's easier to be involved in work, and be busy and become a workaholic, and then your self worth will depend on your accomplishments, and then it's like, you see, everything is fine, I'm, I'm successful, Like I'm, I'm functioning. And you don't need to look inside. And that's where
0: everything is actually. Because mm. I was kind of thinking there, you know, I'd imagine, like, say, a client sort of comes here to give up drugs, they give up alcohol, or mm-hmm. whatever. And then, you know, they come here and this stuff starts to come out. And, and, and maybe they might feel, look, you know, I wasn't thinking about this stuff while I was drinking. Now I'm trying to, you know, do this and I have to deal with all this other horrible stuff. I mean, what do you say to that kind of to the person?
1: Well, it depends on the priorities as well. Mm. Um, so, if if the person brings it here to the session, then it's something that you can discuss and see um, where is the person. But otherwise, it's just maybe to plant the seed to go to therapy later on, right. because we don't we don't have so much time, and we have to prioritize what's the most important thing for the person. And um, but what I do think is that it's important to bring it up if it's there and if the person is ready. Then um, try to work a little bit with that
0: because yeah, I would imagine I mean, if people were started using alcohol and drugs to kind of cope with this stuff and then we take away the alcohol and drugs it's going to kind of leave them in a very vulnerable position, isn't yeah. it?
1: that's why we have to actually uh, help and provide a life, basically life skills and um, how to dis- they have to rediscover themselves because they have been using drugs for a long time so it's like, who am I now? Mm. how do I relate with people? where are my boundaries? what do I want? Like, so they have to start from actually from there first. So you
0: mentioned therapy. So in regards to a client who's kind of dealing with stuff like this, I mean, what exactly is therapy going to do for them? I mean, it's not going to make what happened not have happened.
1: No, and it's always going to be part of you. And that's something that we need to remember too. Like people want to kind of forget about that. And unfortunately, probably they might not be able to do that. What they can do is like work through it, like integrate that in their lives, and actually remember that, it's going to be part of them, but it's not them. They are mm. more than the pain.
0: And, you know, so it is part of the the dealing with this forgiveness?
1: It could be too. The problem or the confusion that I see with forgiveness is that people think that it's just something that you decide to do, mm. and it's actually a process. Yeah. And um, so it's about you have to be patient, and there's a lot of things before that.
0: Right, yeah how does the sexual abuse start?
1: So people think that it's just someone go and doing something to the kid and it's actually a process. So normally the person is actually very aware of what the person is doing and they might convince themselves that they love the kid. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that we have to remember too, like people, yeah, sometimes they think that they are, they love the kid. And um, they approach them. It's, it's a, a slow process. Is it's this what be, they call gro- grooming, is it? Yeah. So it could be. Of course, depends on the case. But it could be from just go and something happened to normally. The general situation is uh, the adult approaches the kid and gives the presents and spend time with the kid, and make the kid feel special. And of course, everybody, even adults, we want to feel special. So then, is they change it from the to get those privileges? They that the kid has to be involved in certain activities. And then it's when the, he can start dissociating, he can start feeling shame or guilt, even though he might not know, she or he might not know what, what's going on. And then it depends on the cases. Sometimes adults threaten the kid to, uh, nobody's gonna believe you, or this is just, we are just playing, or I love you. And then the kid normally keep quiet.
0: Seems incredibly manipulative, incredibly is, yeah. almost like psychopathic kind of.
1: Yeah, that's what we say. That sexual abuse is not about sexual gratification, it's about control and power.
0: And how long would this be going on Like months?
1: So that could be it depends. There are people who just suffer for very I don't know like a day, and it's who it has been for years, especially with family members. And mm-hmm. that's why we we ended up in this twisted concept of love, where they they or he abused me, therefore he loved me.
0: And, and so, and if this person is getting the, if they're kind of really good at this process, I suppose they could make the person feel like there's nothing really wrong.
1: Well, at the end, the kid, whether he, ha- he has the, the words or the understanding of that, normally if he feels that there's something wrong with me. And that's mm. a core belief that will last, will be, yeah, for a long time. Well, so, I'm going to use this moment yes? to explain, because there, there are different concepts that um, I think they are confusing. So, excitement. When the kid, because one of the the feelings is feeling um, shame because maybe the body reacted at the time and excitement doesn't mean that the kid desired that. Um, Another one is like passivity doesn't mean uh, consent. And participation doesn't mean responsibility. The kid is not the kid's fault, never. Mm -hmm. Never is the kid's fault. However, when you are grown up, it's your responsibility to actually deal with that, because otherwise you're gonna be dragging up your whole life in one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, that sometimes what what happens a lot is the the kid and even the adult feels that they are gonna be judged, or they are gonna be blamed, or how you could you like them. yeah, how could you let that happen and not say and, if he says so, something? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why people normally don't disclosure because they are not, nobody's gonna believe them, mm. or they are gonna be judged and. Is, uh, I suppose that's
0: the question as well. Like, like you know, the say say it is a family member, mm-hmm. and you know, you know the person's suffering, but they just don't want to kind of cause all that hassle in the family. I mean, once this stuff comes in out, out into the open, like do they do they have to kind of you know?
1: And that's very tricky because normally there is like a triangle. So is the the kid is the victim always. Yeah. the kid doesn't have any fault at all. This this there's, there's per, uh, the abuser, and then sometimes there is. Normally, it's the, the mom who has the role of the person who's supposed to protect the kid. And the problem with that role is that sometimes a person, sometimes they don't know what's going on for real. Sometimes they don't want to see it. And then um, when I was uh, in Spain, I was working, and there was this kid in a sexual abuse uh, center. So there was this kid that she was going to go to, to court um, because he, she sued... I think it was her father or his stepfather, and the mom actually didn't believe her. And imagine how hard it is that the person who's supposed to protect you, one of them is abusing you and the other one is actually doesn't believe you at all.
0: That's like almost another form of abuse I suppose.
1: Yeah. So it's actually really difficult for the person who's in the middle to go through that because nobody wants to believe that the kid is being abused or that someone that they love is abusing their kid.
0: Yeah. And, and imagine like if, you know, what we were saying earlier on, so say, you know, this, this happens to a person, and that person may grow up with, you know, very, like, problems with anxiety, with low self-esteem, and it's almost like, you know, developing that way could make the person almost less believable.
1: Oh, okay. Could be, I think, one of the problems with sexual abuse mm-hmm. as well, I think, in contrast with physical abuse, is that you don't see it. Like, physical abuse, you can see bruises. you can see... But with sexual abuse, you don't. So emotional pain is much more difficult to deal because people don't understand. They don't see it. And sometimes that's a way actually to ask for help as well.
0: So in regards to sort of, um, you know, if there is people listening to this and, you know, they do have have kind of, you know, these issues in their past and they kind of feel like they need to do something about it, what would you suggest they do?
1: Well, first, I would say I believe you. It wasn't your fault, and you are a survivor. That would be my, yeah, the most important thing for me. But then it's like, now as an adult, you have the responsibility to actually do something with that. Even if it's not your fault, because it's not, it's never the kid's fault, it's your responsibility to actually deal with that now. And and because you deserve a life, and you deserve to be happy. So whether if it's going to therapy, start disclosure. sometimes they didn't even disclose it to people close to them. So... Would you recommend that? That's... That would be a very personal option. It could be, it depends on the person, if they are ready, they, that would be ideal because then you have mm. the social and emotional support. But at least you need something. If it's not with family and friends, is always. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what would you
0: recommend first means, like, cause I means... Because suppose if you sell it to the wrong person, would you kind of sometimes recommend say to a t- therapist first, or a counselor first, or does it doesn't matter?
1: I think it, it's a personal decision. Mm. I think it's important to, for the person to to be aware and, and accept somehow that there's something that they have to deal with. And then idea ideal situation would be to, to mention to the people closest to you and then go to therapy. Mm.
0: And you sort of said that you know this is something that will always be with the person. Mm. But, I mean, is it possible to kind of in a way fully recover from it?
1: It's possible to live a life that you integrate that and you are and you have a happy fulfilled life yes. so a
0: person could have like a normal sexual life you yeah. know normal self esteem all of all that's of those possible, things that that's possible but
1: that's possible it would be it would be easier and more successful if you actually work with them it's not gonna just happen from one day to another you have to be patient and it won't happen by itself yeah and you need people around you to support you and you will need to to face many things that you don't wanna face so it's Basically, be gentle with yourself and yeah, it will have to, it's a lot of work. It's possible though. Mm.
0: And there are any kind of resources that you would recommend?
1: Um, there are always um, uh, hotlines. If you, it that's actually a first step. if People don't want to disclose yet because they're anonymous, so they can actually go and call, and call and talk to someone. You have those in every country, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, and um, and then there are plenty of. Books. There's one that uh, I was checking the other day. It's called "Hungry for Touch." Via um, yeah, the website, which there's even um, a sexual abuse anonymous group. So, like, with and we can make to holidays in, yeah, in the. Yeah, one of the twelve steps. Some of just like a group sessions. So there are different uh, resources out there. They need to connect with someone because they are not alone, and it's much more. Complicated.
0: Now, like, we've covered a lot, but is there anything you think that we should, we should sort of also add into this and
1: more that you feel needs to be said? Um, I just, I guess, emphasize that it's very common. It happens to all, through all religions, races, um, um, yeah, at different levels, socio-economic levels. Um, that it's never the kid's fault. That the, the adult is a survivor but they do have that responsibility now to take care of their own life and do something with that, they deserve to be happy. And they are more than the pain, even though it's what happened to them, they are more than that.
0: That's brilliant.